powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond, and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code in the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here this week. Thank you for being here tonight after what what seemed like was going to be a torturous, 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 torturous defeat in overtime. Big William Nylander kills the wild, tames the wild, and sends the Leafs home on the road, actually. Sends the Leafs to the road for a five-game road streak with a big win. Welcome to Game Over Toronto. My name is Lauren. Uh, I am by myself tonight, so if you are here, thank you for joining me. I am happy that you are here in my living room with me. Um, I apologize for the little bit of the side view. If I have too much of this showing, there is a cat tree, and who knows what happens over there. So, welcome to Game Over Toronto, everybody. Uh, If it is your first time here, my name is Lauren, like I said. Um, So, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the game. And then we're going to maybe talk about some trade targets that I did a little bit of research on before the game today. But like I said, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game that was slow moving for the most part. Uh, The middle 40 minutes was just sort of coagulous and felt a lot like playing against the Islanders a couple years ago when they were just a defensive boa constrictor. And it, it was... It was torturous a little bit. Um, Let's talk about the game. So, right out of the gate, there's not a lot going on. The Post makes the best save of the game to start off with from the blue line, and it was good that it was there because Samsonov was not ready after just getting back into the crease. Neither team was playing overly well to start with. Um, They were both trading bad passes, bad chances, and it just looked like... One of those games where the Leafs were not going to be on their game. And they weren't particularly playing well, but luckily Minnesota wasn't either. And uh, Minnesota scores first, Brendan Duheim. And I, Minnesota's famous for not scoring a lot of goals. They're, what, 26th in the league for five-on-five goals? So for them to get the first goal is obviously not a great start. And like I said, not playing well to start the game for the Leafs. Uh, they're not pushing very hard in their own end. They weren't. They were doing a lot not very well. They were getting clogged in their own zone. They couldn't they couldn't get the puck out of their own zone for what seemed like the entire game. As soon as Minnesota got possession in their own zone, it was it was it was just a minute of of them just cycling the puck and then at least getting close and and putting pressure on, but just not being able not being able to get there, not being able to get sticks in the way. Aaron passes lead to, you know, Minnesota getting the first goal unfortunately. And Luckily, my favorite leaf right now, David Kampf, ties the game with 3.53 to go in the first period off of what seemed like a little bit of an innocuous play. Willie, Willie gets the puck and then and pulls it behind the net, and um, Zach Asmarine sort of skirts out, skirts out of the way, and Kampf just slides right in there, and it was so funny. If you watch the play, if you watch the playback of Camp right in front of the goal, Minnesota, the, the defender turns around and is like, who is this guy? Like, when did he get here? And it was just a it was just a matter of a tiny spot of the ice opening up and David Camp getting there. And David Camp getting his first goal in 30 games. It feels like it's been 50, but 
it's it's been a while since Camp scored, and everybody that's here knows that I'm a big David Camp fan, and I'm so glad that he was able to get us on the board and tie the game for what ended up being the game time goal until we get to overtime. So the game itself was, like I said, they were both trading chances, but boy, Minnesota was so good with clogging up the neutral zone blocking all of the entries that we were trying. We were trying pass entries. We were trying rush entries. We were trying dump entries. We were trying just about every entry that we could. And we just couldn't, we just couldn't, we just couldn't. They just couldn't get in the zone. They couldn't get good possession. There was only really, what, maybe half a dozen times in the entire game where the Leafs really took possession. And it happened more as the game went on. But... The second period, normally I have so much written for the first period, I had to find stuff to write because there was just, it was trading a chance and then they were out of the zone and then it just seemed like lots of chaos in the middle. And hopefully hopefully, if you guys are in the chat, you can help me out and, and give me some input on what you saw because, you know, when it comes to content for the game, there wasn't a lot to talk about. The Leafs get the first power play when Dumba trips uh, Zach Aston Reese with 12.45 to go in the second period. O'Reilly with a great chance. And that was the chance where in the middle of the second, he starts swearing super loud and starts banging a stick because he was frustrated. And boy, it was, I thought he was going to get one tonight. He was pushing really hard. He was a lot more visible tonight than Austin Matthews was. Matthews, I don't know what's going on with, maybe, I don't know what's going on with him. He hasn't looked totally right. I know that he's scored since he got back from his injury, which is great, but he just hasn't been playing the same way that he was before the All-Star break before the injury, he seems to be sort of, not coasting, but he doesn't seem to be just getting the chances that he was before. The The opportunities that he's getting, the, the times he is putting the puck on the net, he just isn't able to capitalize on them. And I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for him, right? And seeing Ryan O'Reilly come in and all of a sudden push the second line to, to produce the way that it has been when the first line hasn't been producing as much, I imagine is putting a little bit of internal pressure on him maybe um I would hope so and that's the sort of thing that we're looking for from this team that's that's the good thing about having so much depth on your team is that when somebody starts scoring more than somebody else you know they're all professional athletes and they're all very competitive people so when somebody starts going it makes the other guys start to be you know maybe grip their stick a bit tighter and that's sort of what it seems like Matthews is doing even tonight you know he gets that one opportunity where he brings it into the zone and right towards the end of the third period and he just you know, shoots it right at the front logo. And, and it was just, normally it, it, it feels like when he takes those shots, he's a little bit more dangerous. He just doesn't have the same amount of pepper on it, it seems. And I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's still nursing that injury, the mystery injury that we don't know about. And, and uh, maybe that's a contributing factor to it because, you know, he's, he's playing well enough, but he hasn't really been noticeable the last couple games. Um, if you're just joining us, welcome to Game Over Toronto. Thank you for being here. My name is Lauren. Please hit like and subscribe right below me. That would be fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Fizila make, makes a good point. I don't see any new reports either, and neither do I. Nothing has come out. Um, you know, there's no reported injuries. Keith hasn't said anything. Um, I wonder if it's – I can't even say that it's the new adjustments to the team because the top line is unaffected, right? It's still, it's still William Nylander – poppy and bunts right and it just it maybe it's coming time to to do the whole swat switcheroo with martyr and and uh nylander that 
Keith likes to do to swap the lines up. But do you even do that now that Ryan O'Reilly is there and that line is playing so well, even though they weren't able to capitalize tonight? Ryan O'Reilly, by the end of the game, had well over 70% in the faceoff dot. I think they said right at the end of the third period that it was he he was like 15-2 and two in the faceoff dot, which is just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, the Leafs end the first and second tied 1-1. Um, Leafs even get the second power play and can't capitalize. Again, lots of lots of scenarios, it seems like, where the Leafs are just spending way too much time trying to get set up for the perfect play, especially on that second power play. You know, the best opportunities that seemed to happen tonight were in transition, especially that one at the very end of the game uh, where uh, Camp clears the puck, uh, Yarner clears, or Yarn Croak clears, and then uh, Sammy with the big save. And, you know, there's another great, really close opportunity after that. And all of these are coming off of rush chances. It's not coming from when you're, when you're coming back and, and you're, and you're trying to get set up and you're waiting for the best, for the best play and the best pass available. That's one of the things I find most frustrating about the, the least power play is that we spend so much time just trying to get set up. And the second power, power play, especially, you know, you're in the third period, you've only gotten one power play. So, uh, you know, one power play so far, you get the second one and you aren't able to capitalize. And tonight's game almost felt like a playoff game. It wasn't, it wasn't as heavy hitting as the playoff games are, but just the tightness of it, how close Minnesota is playing. And now I understand that it's been a while since we saw Minnesota and that's the style of game that they play. Right. And they, they forecheck really hard and they get in your face and they apply pressure and it's clearly effective. They limited the, ch- the chances for the Leafs so well tonight. Like, Hats off. I know there's a couple of, of uh, Wild fans in the chat, so it's nice for you to be here. Hello. Nice to see you. Uh, as a Wild fan, uh, I sing too much. Good game. I'm sorry to hear the Wild fans put some of us to sleep. So it's funny because that style of hockey, everybody always says it's so boring. And I guess on the scorecard it is, right? You, you know, it goes up 1-1 in the first and then there's nothing else for another 40 minutes. But it's not like there weren't really good opportunities. Both goalies were playing super well tonight. Uh, Gustafsson and Samsonov just trading fantastic chances. Even the the wild goal was a little bit funky. So I I wonder if that didn't happen, if the wild would have been able to produce. But, you know, some people say it's boring. And it's a similar style to how, you know, like I said earlier, the Isles have played and how the Stars have sort of been playing the last couple of years. But... It's effective, right? Even though they're not scoring like crazy, when you play that tight defensively and you don't give up a lot, it makes it really hard for teams like the Leafs to produce because they rely on all those little things that teams that aren't super good defensively don't do to allow for these mistakes and these small gaps and spaces and and areas of the ice to open up. And Minnesota was just, just it just completely retracts around the net and you it's almost impossible to get anything through. It's just a swarm of green and white sweaters and kudos to the coach who doesn't look like a very happy person. Most of the time behind the bench, my goodness, every shot that they did, I was like, that guy needs some chocolate or a hug or something. And clearly his defensive strategy is working, right? It's the same strategy that got the Islanders, you know, into the final four a couple of years ago. It's the same strategy that gets Dallas into the playoff spots that they are because when you play that tight defensively and you and you limit the chances of teams like that, when when teams like the Leafs that don't have a blue liner that can just bang Shea Weber slap shots in, hoping to get somebody hurt enough to move out of the way or at least not want to block those shots – 
the only person that's really taking those one-timer shots recently is Nylander. And he's not somebody that is normally relied upon or considered to be that big of a threat when it comes to slap shots. And it's great that he's been taking them, but, you know, for a game like tonight against the Wild, if that's a playoff game, it I'm glad they won. Don't get me wrong, but... You know, you would hope in a game like that that they would be able to get maybe just a little bit better of a chance that they're maybe going to try something a little bit different. And I understand that they're still getting used to having Ryan O'Reilly there and Nolachari, who we're gonna, I'm going to talk about him in just a second. But just the whole the whole strategy of playing super well defensively clearly works, right? Minnesota's in a playoff spot or very close to one, um, and and the way that they play is effective, even though they aren't getting crazy goal scoring. You know, Kirill Kaprizov is still a fantastic player, just an unbelievable talent. And even Spurgeon is fantastic too, who's, I didn't realize how small they, how small Spurgeon is. They said on the broadcast, he's like 5'10 and 166. He's like an inch shorter and 20 pounds lighter than I am. That's crazy, crazy. And he plays super well. And, you know, when you when you only rely on a couple of guys like that for really hard offense and we are able to limit their opportunities on the on the converse side, right? Like Kirill Kaprizov didn't score tonight, which is fantastic, and I was very happy about it. But, you know, you play like that defensively and, it, and you're going to win a lot of games. But you also have to be able to score, and it, it felt like both teams couldn't score tonight. It felt a little bit like... Like it was a battle of goalies, but not really because even the chances that both teams were getting weren't super great. But I digress. The Leafs win, right? We go to OT and Willie with a fantastic read. And is he one of the best people one-on-one right in front of the net to go just to the, almost to the goal line and then hook it back and gain somehow like an extra two feet of space and be able to fake the goalie out? He's so good on his edges right in front of the net one-on-one with somebody else he just casually like puts his arm out and is just like I'm just gonna sneak right by you that's what he does multiple times every game and oftentimes he scores because when you get that sort of space it does sort of not freak the goalie out but it freezes them which is the point right and so for him to get the OT winner tonight and tie the league lead with three overtime game-winning goals is pretty great. Our own William Nylander, what a great game from him. And like I said, Nolachari, I'm going to talk about him for just a second. Because even though he didn't score tonight, he's really bringing something, really bringing something to that bottom line. My goodness. Nolachari is, because he's the only, I have a, I have this written down like this, because he's the only person that plays that hard and that style where he finishes every check where he's going in and getting in people's when he's a bee in everybody else's bonnet and he's making other teams think about having the puck for a second it makes me think what if we had more people like that because even though those people are getting fewer and fewer in the league there are still players like that that are going to finish every check and I'm really really hoping because it has started to rub off on Zach Aston Reese. I hope chat, if you agree, you got to hit the like button. That's, that's how this works here. Zach Aston Reese has been a significantly better player ever since Nolachari came on the team. He is finishing his checks. He is getting in the other players faces. He is being a pain in the behind to play against. And I love it. I love it. It was so good to see him. And even tonight, later on, 
in the game. Where is it? Kerfoot had a huge check with like five minutes to go on Matt Dumba in the wild's end. Like a like I didn't know Alex Kerfoot knew how to throw a body check like that. Did anybody else see that? I bet Tic Tac Tomar pulled the gif of it. But he had a huge check too. And that's not something that he usually does. And it was a nice change to see considering earlier in the game he had that opportunity that we were all screaming shoot. I don't know if you were screaming shoot. I was screaming shoot. And then of course he passes it and it gets picked off and brought the other way. And it was, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because he's so good. He's good. Kerfoot is good. I just wish that he would shoot like, like 20% more because Mitch Marner does the thing where he passes lots and every now and then he scores a goal and it's awesome. And Kerfoot does that too, but when he tries to shoot, he doesn't usually get them. And it's super frustrating because he does a lot of nothing. Like he does a lot in the, in what I mean is he does a lot of really good things. He's really good at gaining entry. He makes some really fantastic passes, but he just, it's like, it's like he gets there, he gets to the edge of the cliff and then he's just like, I'm not going to jump into the water. I'm just going to look at it. And then he just walks away and passes to his buddy. And it's super frustrating because he does get some really good chances. And I would, uh, I would re-pierce my nose if it meant that he would shoot more I tell you and and for for him to do that body check was nice to see and it's nice to see that that is starting to sort of permeate the group a little bit and we I can only hope that that's going to continue and if that could rub off just a little bit on Pierre Engvall like like just a little bit like if it could just give him a little bit of inspiration to realize that he's you know the size of a large giraffe and that he could just ruin people's days if he had any sort of bodily awareness when it comes to that. If you follow the Leafs, you've seen Pierre Engvall with his shirt off. So you know how ripped he is. And he could do an entire load of laundry on his front and back. And he just, he's like a pussycat. <laughs> you want him to be like a bobcat and he's like a domestic house cat like my cat who's asleep on my record player. He just... He has these great moments where he's good defensively, but he just has no ability to finish his checks very hard. And if that could rub off even just a little bit from Nolachari, that would be hysterical. Yeah, Linda, you make a good point. Engvall was demoted to the fourth line in the third. And I think it was warranted because he... There's so many opportunities that I see where Pierre Engvall is going for a puck and the other player has it and at the last second he stops having it. And when you watch other teams like Boston or you watch other teams like St. Louis or Calgary, even the ha... No, I can't say it. Even the Flyers. That's better. Even the Flyers will go up and finish their check. And the Leafs, you'll you'll see them just stop and be like, okay, I'm going to go the other way. And it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's very... It's very frustrating. Because if we just pushed a little bit harder, if we had just a little bit more pressure on the other team and made them think a little bit more about how holding the puck for so long because we were going to finish our check. I'm not saying you have to put him through the plexiglass, but just make him reconsider holding the puck for more than four seconds. Please. <laughs> I'm begging you. Because if you play like that, we saw at the end of the game when the Wild 
aren't able to get their defensive structure set up, they do panic and they do they do get flustered and it gives it creates more opportunity for offense. And so when I see people when I see players like Engvall who have the ability and size to be able to really physically make a difference in that sort of a forechecking way and I see them you know stop up you know 8 inches too soon it's like please don't you don't even have to do it hard just let him know that you're there and that you're not just going to let him walk or skate by after he's after he's had the puck for 6 seconds longer than he should have but I digress it doesn't matter because at the end of the day the Leafs won and I'm just yelling into the void with all of my friends here in the chat. So thank you for being here. And I hope that you are equally as frustrated with Engvall as I am. And that clearly Keith is. Because even though he does make some nice plays, uh, is it enough? Is it enough? And I don't, I don't think it's enough. I don't, I think, I think there's only so many spaces on a hockey team and so many roster spots and we already we have too many people that are just okay and and maybe it means that somebody has to go out the door to get better so that we get more people that are going to finish their checks and inspire the rest of the team but i don't know that uh Pierre Engvall is going to be the person to do that even on the PK Pierre Engvall wasn't on the PK tonight he didn't play on it because Nolachari is playing there now and he's way better he's just better that's 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 how it that's how I feel about it. Yeah, uh, Cam Gilmore. Yeah, there's a few guys I still don't like, but maybe they can redeem themselves. Let's pray Dubas can find a little more before the deadline. Yes, that would be great. And speaking of trades, Cam, maybe we can find people. So there's been a lot of buzz lately about. I'm gonna have some water first because I'm parched. All of my friends, everybody take everybody take a drink of water. Unless you're listening to this on your commute to work and you're driving, please don't drink water while you're driving. Everybody's been talking about. McCabe, Chicago, right? McCabe, he's so good. Oh, let's go get McCabe. And he's not bad. He's a good defenseman. But if you really want Jake McCabe and you think that he's a difference maker in the playoffs, I want you to go and look at Jake, at his stats for the playoffs. Because he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any. There aren't any. And I didn't know that until I looked it up today because I'm actually, you guys can't see this, I'm actually double fisting notebooks. This is my regular game notebook and this is my trade target notebook. He hasn't played in the playoffs. So why are we going to get him for the playoffs? Jake is nice, but he hasn't played in the playoffs, guys. You know who hasn't played in the playoffs? And this may be a long shot, and I'm sure people are going to slam me in the comments for this, but that's okay. There is a team that Kyle Dubas has traded with before that has a defenseman that's a little bit older, but has 85 career playoff games. And in those 85 career playoff games, he has eight goals, 35 assists. He He's a minus seven, but he has 47 points in the playoffs. He's 34 years old. He's six foot tall, 207 pounds. He is in his final year of his contract with a modified no moose clause, move clause, not moose clause, move clause. That is worth $3.9 million against the cap. And I will give you $5 
If you can tell me who it is and what team they're on. Kevin Shattenkirk of Anaheim. Who is not having a great season this year. He has played 52 games. And in those 52 games, he has two goals and 15 assists for 17 points. But the Ducks are awful. They're awful. They're really bad. They're really, really bad, guys. They're really bad. But you know what Kevin Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk has? Kevin Shattenkirk has a Stanley Cup ring that he got with Tampa Bay in the 2019-2020 season. And in those playoffs, he played 25 games. He has three goals. And he had 10 assists for 13 points. He was a plus eight. I'm just saying. We know that Kyle Dubas likes to trade with who he likes to trade with. Right? We know that he doesn't trade with people. And any GM doesn't trade with people they don't usually trade with. And we know that Kyle Dubas has made trades with Anaheim. I was even looking up Connor Murphy, who is also in Chicago. Just for a comparison. So Connor Murphy, who is one of the other players that lots of people are saying we need to get. He's 29 years old. Six foot four, 212 pounds. He is a right-handed defenseman, makes 4.4 against the cap. However, he is in the first of a four-year contract. He has played 57 games this season with five goals and four assists for nine points and is a minus two. And Connor Murphy only has nine career playoff games. So I ask you, if we're going into the playoffs, right, and we want a an upgrade on the right-hand side because the mere thought of Justin Hall starting game one on the right-hand side makes you want to dry heave just a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. The Leafs should consider having some duck for dinner. Getting on the phone, calling California, and saying, hey, so uh, what if we, what if I trade you a prospect and uh, maybe if I send you a pick? Maybe, just maybe, the Leafs could get Kevin Shattenkirk to add to the right-hand side. Now I know he's 34 years old and I know he's only six foot tall. The man has 85 career playoff games at almost a half a point per game pace in the playoffs. We want somebody that has experience. And anybody, if you go on Cap Friendly, basically the first 50 are almost a non-option simply because of the cat hit. The cap hit, not the cat hit. Kevin Shattenkirk, guys. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. See, there are people in the chat that know. I sing too much knows. Even Cameron being, I think Shattenkirk or Falk would be a good kind of deal. I agree. And I think that maybe we don't need somebody that's, you know, going to break the bank. Someone was saying Radko Gudis earlier. And he's, you know, a couple years ago, I actually really thought that getting Radko Gudis would be a really good thing. Because a couple years ago, we were having trouble stopping guys at the blue line. And what I really wanted was a big, huge windshield to stop forwards and have them slam into it like a bug on the highway. And Radko Gudis does that. He is 
very good, very good at finishing his checks and getting in other people's ways. And then I went to a game earlier this season and he played and he wasn't very good, even though he got a goal. He took two penalties and I went, we can't have that. Because even though I want somebody that's going to be a proverbial windshield for the forward bug, I don't want it to come at the cost of multiple penalties a game and recklessness and and angry things. Because even though I love Michael Bunting, he's already taking too many penalties. And in fairness, Giordano takes a lot of penalties too. He was taking a lot of penalties there for a while. It was almost a penalty a game. It was really bad. I think Kevin Shattenkirk might be a good option. And... I don't think that there are a couple of people that were saying, oh, we got to go get Noah Dobson. You're not going to get Noah Dobson from the island. If you think you're, we're going to get Noah Dobson, you are new here because Lou Lamorello will not let Noah Dobson go until it is, until he is dead in his grave and we have to pry it from his cold, clammy, death grip hands because no one leaves the island while Lou was there willingly. He, they, they don't trade players like that. And, and while I would love to have Noah Dobson because he's 22 years old and he's going to be great, there's just no way. We don't want somebody that's super young. We have enough people that are young. I know that they're not rookies anymore. Sandine and Liljegren are the rookie defensemen on the team currently, even though they're not rookies anymore. And I think we have enough of that. I think we need somebody that has been there that can step into the boat-sized shoes and boat-sized holes that Muzzin has left in our hearts because we know that he's not going to be back this season. And if someone else on the top side of the defense goes down and we don't have somebody that's going to make the other team think twice, it's going to be really bad in the playoffs. And I think if we got somebody like Kevin Shattenkirk or somebody, it doesn't even have to be Shattenkirk, somebody else with a lot of playoff experience that has been through it multiple times, that that understands what it takes and understands that whistles are put away in the playoffs and is able to play the hard way and the right way. And maybe it's not Kevin Shattenkirk and maybe you have the better idea than I do. And if you do, please leave it in the comment box down below. And I don't know what the answer is on defense, but... There's got to be a better answer than the ones that we currently have on the team because Dubas has been, well, Dubas is always quiet, but I think Dubas is going to make another trade. We got less than a week to go to the trade deadline, folks. A week today, we will know what the final team will look like. And while we won tonight, it wasn't by a lot. And let's hope that this time next week, we can all collectively unclench our jaws and relax our shoulders and relax our ears and just breathe out and be free and be maybe just just a teensy bit more comfortable than it was tonight because while we beat Buffalo really well the other day, we still let up and let the other team back in. And I think we need somebody that's that's going to look after the back end and, and not try and pinch down and not try and make silly plays. Somebody that's going to be reliable and has been there and is going to be there and knows what it takes to get through it because we don't have a lot of that on the back end now with Jake gone. So, but that's next week. 
And tonight, my friends, we beat and tamed the wild. 2-1 in overtime. Big, big, big William Nylander with the game-winning goal to end the game. The whole team gets on the ice. Everybody was so excited. And I was excited. I screamed. My wife yelled at me. And it was worth it. (laughs) It was worth it to watch the game, even though it seemed like a brutal one to watch. It was worth it to watch the game and to be here with you. And thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for watching along. Thank you for hitting like. Thank you for hitting subscribe like I know you're going to. Please tell your friends if you had a good time tonight. We will be back. I will be back this Sunday with Harnish with a very special guest. And when I'm so excited to have on the show and someone that has graced the presence of Game Over in other markets before, we have Rachel Dory coming on this Sunday night on Game Over Toronto. So make sure you know that we're there and make sure you are there because I will be. Make sure you don't miss it. It's going to be a great time. Thank you for watching tonight. Have a great night, everybody. Take care. Peace. Leafs win. Let's go. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.